you know that Keeley Companies is all about fostering the world-class culture through their incredible cultural pillars. Well, it was time to add a seventh cultural pillar, Keeley Green. Guided by the mission to raise the sustainability standards by which they design, build, operate, and live, Keeley Green is dedicated to using a holistic approach to leave a positive impact on our environment, create a future that is sustainable for generations to come. In the words of Rusty Keeley, we are just getting started. You can learn more about that just getting started mentality and all the work they do by visiting my friends at Keeley Companies online at KeeleyCompanies.com. Welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. John is the number one national best-selling author of the book On Fire. He's a world-class inspirational speaker, and he's the host of the Live Inspired Podcast. John interviews extraordinary individuals on their life story so that you can wake up from accidental living and more fully live your life story. Here's your host, John O'Leary. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. Get ready for one of the best conversations you're going to hear on the Live Inspired channel with one of the best leaders you're going to be able to learn from on this Live Inspired Podcast. I had the opportunity of sitting down with today's guest. His name is Zach Anner, just before the writer's strike in Hollywood. And the reason why that matters is because Zach is an award-winning comedian, television writer, viral sensation with more than 100 million views on Facebook. He's also a disability advocate. After gaining significant attention when he won the Oprah's Search for the Next TV Star competition, Zach began his own travel show called Rollin' with Zach on the O Network. Wheelchair bound, but not defined by a diagnosis or a wheelchair. He has traveled the United States exploring the cities and engaging with local culture, local individuals, local activities. It's an awesome show brought to you by an amazingly inspirational and joyful guy. Today on the Live Inspired Podcast, Zach joins us to share how he learned to not let cerebral palsy define him or his goals. How he faces his numerous challenges with the utmost resilience and positivity, and ultimately what it means for you, my friends. So here's my encouragement right now. Buckle up. Get ready for a ride of a lifetime, an uplifting conversation packed with humor and heart and edginess and determination, and my new friend and yours, Zach Anner. So here he is, without further ado, my buddy and yours, Zach Anner. Zach, welcome to Live Inspired with John O'Leary. Oh, thank you for having me. And from my angle, it looks like I'm in my own home, but I feel automatically more inspired just by being here. Just seeing your face is inspiring me. Here's the awesome thing. We have some viewers. We have a whole lot more listeners. They're hearing your voice for the first time. And what I, I want to tell you, John's got this gorgeous face and it's a wonderful. Is that a polo? You look great. Yeah, I've been working out for you, Zach. Yes. Uh, I'm classically handsome in a a cerebral palsy, sort of lazy-eyed kind of way. Just for the audio listeners at home, I'm just oozing sex appeal. (laughs) Yep. Well, so there it is, my friend. You've already met the real Zach. This ability to embrace the gift of his life is what you're going to hear 
during the entire part of our conversation. So get ready for it. So Zach, introduce yourself to our listeners and our viewers. For those who might bump into you in an airport or a hotel or a grocery store or a bar or wherever it might be anywhere in the world, and they say, Zach, tell me about you. How do you respond to that? Oh, gosh, I would downplay it. I would be like, hi, I'm Zach. I'm a professional silly person. But really, if you were to break it down and, and I have to sell myself to an audience, I guess I'm an author, a television writer, a comedian, a public speaker. But really, it's just goofiness. And I try to, to be as inclusive as I can with the silliness that I present. So yeah, I'm just somebody who's having a great time and trying to, I guess, as you say, live inspired, which often comes through humor mm. for me. So let, let's step away from the room where you and I are recording this and go back just a few years, about three and a half decades to uh, this little boy entering into this world. I'm assuming you don't remember much about your birth. I don't remember that much. I told it was a tumultuous event. Um, I was a premature baby who was, I think when I was born, I was uh, three pounds, eight ounces, or maybe it was even less than that, but right. uh, very premature. It's the only time I've ever been early for anything in my entire life. This was 1984. So there were like, when I was diagnosed, I think I was diagnosed around two years old with cerebral palsy, and there wasn't a whole lot of support for my parents at that time. Uh, there was United Cerebral Palsy, who were very good for when uh, kids are much younger, but then as they get older, it was sort of like the Wild West, and I was the first kid in my entire school district to be mainstreamed, which is integrated into normal classes in my entire school district. So nobody really knew what to do with me, but I had some amazing teachers and truly incredible parents who really made sure that no matter what I wanted to do, I could follow my passions. So they let the passions lead rather than the disabilities. Hmm. You, you you mentioned cerebral palsy and, and the vast majority of our listeners know the term. And I would imagine the vast minority know what it really means or what the cause of it is. So broadly speaking, what, what is CP? And then how does it show up in your life? So CP is like a catch-all term, um, but it's a condition that comes from, uh, I think there's, there's still a, a question around what the causes are, but it happens around birth. It's not like uh, terminal or anything, but it manifests itself in, in problems with motor skills, with speech. There are people with mild cases of CP who, you know, you wouldn't even know, but then there are people with much more severe cases who use wheelchairs, have trouble speaking, are nonverbal. It just really, uh, CP is. As wide of a spectrum of a diagnosis as humanity, basically. But in my case, got the wheelchair, got some motor skill issues, got a real strong startle reflex, and just generally, again, with the just great looking. And that I think that is a, a symptom. Um, but yeah, it's, it's 
in my life, it's manifested itself in this way, but it wouldn't be the, the same for any other person with CP. It's all like there's such a wide range yes. of people who have it. A thing that immediately connected me to your story was the way your parents treated you. And, and so many times in life when you have a diagnosis or an injury or what a cross to bear, man, whatever that might be, we're coddled or we are ignored or we're put aside. And in your case and in mine, we're both fortunate to have parents who said, you're worthy, you're good, and you're going to be mainstreamed. You're going to be brought forward to see the potential of your life. Would you just talk a little bit about how your mother and father handled this diagnosis and this little boy? They always nurtured creativity in, in me. And my mother is a playwright and a, uh, she was a theater professor at the University of Buffalo. And like, along with my brother, because I have an older brother, his name's Brad, and we, we would always put on little skits. My dad would film them. My my mother would encourage my writing or acting or just like silly sketches that I wanted to make. And it was always like waiting for Zach to tell me what he wants to do with his life and then finding the ways that that can happen for him. And my dad, who passed away this year, was mm. the builder in the family who always said, what do you want to do and what can I build you? to make that possible. I wanted to be a filmmaker. So he fashioned a tripod on my wheelchair so that I could use it as a dolly. Uh, like I wanted to be able to get my school books out myself. So he made this rail system that I could pull my school bag around and get my books out. And it was always a focus on independence in whatever way i felt comfortable doing and pushing me to reach my full potential. Mm. And it's not about like never using your disability as an excuse because disability does present challenges. It was more about what is the way that you can lead the most fulfilling life with a disability and you have these other skills and through how verbose you are, through how, how smart you are, you can use disability as a tool to tell your story, to be who you were meant to be. Mm. I've heard you say in the past, and I'm, I'm going to butcher this quote, so uh, offer a little bit of grace my way when I do, and then corrects me. But you talked about how your parents allowed you to go to a, in quotes, normal school, which allowed you to connect with the kids there on common interest rather than common ailments. Yeah, it was finding Rather than um, saying, oh, we'll find people with the same condition that you have, which is a very valuable thing for kids to have access to other kids with disabilities, you know, because there's a language there and experience that is shared. But in terms of what my parents were focused on, it was, we know this kid wants to tell stories and be a filmmaker and be in, on camera. So it was being able to be put into those mainstream classes, it was like, let's find, I found the kids who were as passionate about movies as I was, or who loved Power Rangers and like those types of things. And really, honestly, the, the friendships that I've made in, in 
grade school have endured because we have similar interests, similar sense of humor. And it wasn't until later when I became more comfortable in my body with my disability that I started seeking out other friends who had disabilities and really opening up that world. But it was such a gift to just be a kid and not have the physical therapy or or surgeries be the focus. It was about how do we nurture this creativity? So in my grade school, I had a fellow named Mike Zimmerman who helped me with my book bag and a guy named Chris Bowler and Dennis Steiner and Michael Bowler and Jason Teppi and John Andrews and Alan Arkwitz and David Kaiser and all these guys who just surrounded me and loved me and made what could have been an impossible situation or a difficult, painful situation for a child with some special needs, not only bearable, but good. And all the things I understand from your story, and it's not everybody's story, man. Many of us deal with bullying and you sit at a table by yourself, but you and I had some great friends in grade school and throughout. Would you, would you share the story of one such character in your life? Oh my gosh. Well, my buddy, Andrew Martina, who I was friends with, of course, Andrew Martina, friends with since third grade, we were uh, part of the same table like we found each other on the first day of third grade and we joined the table together and ever since then because we both love power rangers we both love bill nye the science guy we were both really goofy and my my, mom and dad were a little bit less strict than his mom and dad we were the ones that showed him his first r-rated movie and you know like got him into a little bit of trouble but like he was just such a great friend from the start. And he was the person who, if I had an embarrassing moment in school, there were occasions when I was a kid and even sometimes when I'm an adult where like, if I laughed too hard, I I be myself. And that happened in grade school. And Andrew was the person who was like, let's figure this out. It was like gamifying it. He used all of his, his sign brain to like, what can we do? Oh, we can spill something on your cracks. So like, like, we'll just say, oh, he spilled his milk. Fine. And just having a friend that can take those most embarrassing moments and turn them into an adventure and like, it's going to be okay. You're not less than because you experienced this is great. And he was the guy who 20 years later, when I was competing to win a reality show, he was the guy that I took with me to make sure that I was ready to go every single day, put me in the right headspace. And like every morning before I left for that Oprah competition, he would say two words to me, which were chew bubblegum, because there was a game that we played as kids called Duke Nukem. And he had this line, it's time to kick ass and chew bubblegum, and I'm all out of gum. And so it was just his way of saying, go out there and kick ass. Um, And I think, like, having that friendship, that cornerstone, Mm. has been a big part of, of why I have the confidence to go forward and try things that are are scary, you know? So since you brought it up, 
chewing gum. Why don't we just keep living in there for a moment longer? You talked about yeah. competition and then you bragged. I mean, you're not a humble guy. I do. You brag no, all the time. I, I brag all the time. I try to name drop as much as possible. Well, even, even my lovely mother listening at home knows the name Oprah. So uh, talk about before you were chewing gum in front of them for several days on this competition, you heard about the possibility of this thing even being way down on the horizon, unlikely, but down there. So okay. what did you hear about? And then what did you do? So this was 2010 and I was living in Austin, Texas at the time. And my mom called me and she said, Oprah's starting her own network. And she's doing this competition where anyone can pitch their idea for a show that they want to do. And luckily I had an idea for a show. And I had this idea because years earlier I had traveled to Europe with my dad and I had filmed the whole thing. And he had said, you should pretend like you're doing a mock travel show about traveling with a, a wheelchair and a disability. And so I made all these goofy little videos, like me trying to crawl up the Spanish steps and things like that. And so he, he was like, you know, that would be a really great show to make. So when my mom pitched me this Oprah thing, I was like, now's the time to pitch the traveling with a disability show. And you could upload a video to their website and then people would vote on it. And then people with the most votes would, would get a chance to compete on this reality show. And my video wound up going viral one night and it amassed like 2 million views or something overnight. And so that started the whole journey. Can we yeah, talk about the video sure. for a moment? Because uh, I was not one of your voters. I did not know there's a competition. No, that's fine. I, I knew, win that thing. knew that I would not be getting a vote from you. But I would have laughed and I would have been inspired and I would have been so encouraged. And then I would have clicked vote for this man because it's a great video. Uh, you were talking about the construct. So because most time when you're pitching something, you, you pitch the thing. And you came into it pitching something that ultimately was not the thing you were pitching and then pitching something else, which was not the thing you're pitching, basically acknowledging your many weaknesses and not shying away from them, which just disarmed the audience in a beautiful way. And then you said, so what do I want to do? And then you told them, where did that construct even come from? Well, I think where that came from is there were all of these different categories for shows that you could pitch and I didn't seem to fit into any of them and I knew I would be terrible for all of them so I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna just get this out of the way at the beginning of how awful I would be and like disarm people with just like I would not be good for this I know I'm not what you're looking for but why not this other thing and it, it just seemed like a way to have a great time and like make some jokes and then get to the heart of what I wanted to do, which was show people with disabilities that they could travel the world and have an, an amazing time. And that all of the hiccups that you face while traveling with a disability can be part of that fun, because that's what my dad had instilled in me, you know, yeah. just those oh, the train's not accessible. We have to get off and go to the next town or we have to break down your chair or like this does, it's an elevator, but it's not really an elevator. And like, 
and we had amazing vacations that way and adventures and it and i just thought no travel show is doing this right now except maybe anthony bourdain at the time but like there it's all about oh this is perfect this is pristine and when you have a disability like whether or not you have a fulfilling life that's a big part of that is whether or not you can embrace all of the things that go wrong and because society is not set up for you to have an easy time um so that was just said so i thought it would be great the video was great and you had to know that when you were done you hit send you upload the thing what surprised you most about the response to it well i thought only my mom was gonna see it pretty much so i made it for her i didn't expect so many people to get behind it and i because there was it was a huge thing like i think it wound up millions and millions of people saw it and i didn't ever make it for an audience of millions i just thought maybe this will resonate with some people and those are the people that i want to reach and the fact that oprah wound up seeing it and john mayer wound up seeing it writing a theme song for a travel show this wasn't even something i could comprehend at the time but i was just so grateful and also it sort of thrust me into this place of being an advocate for people with disabilities and i'd never sort of thought of myself as an advocate and learning how to be true to yourself but also recognizing the responsibility that you have to an entire community it was a learning curve and it's something that i'm still learning because i think growing up it felt like there weren't even though i felt comfortable like there was a level of isolation and it felt like i was advocating for myself but i think as i've gotten older i've learned no you have a voice you should be using it for people who don't have the privilege that you have and i think that as i've gotten older that's been the the biggest change in my mantra because it's like i used to think that me succeeding was success enough and now i realize that i actually have power and some sway and to be given that opportunity you don't want to waste it Mm. so you're kissed on the cheek every morning by andrew and then he says go choose choose some gum what what ultimately came out of that competition what came out of that competition is i wound up winning my own travel show called rolling with zach and i got to travel around the country and be on the Oprah network and it lasted for about oh three weeks or so so it was it was something that really changed the landscape of inclusive television and was was on the air for three weeks but the everything that has happened since then has in some way been influenced by that first audition video the Oprah network taking a chance on me And so there's no regrets whatsoever because it really did change my life in this huge seismic way. Well, I understand that you have a buddy named Aaron and I might be getting the name off and maybe uh, 
And it was Aaron. And we all need friends like this who says, you know what, man, like this was yeah. not a one trick. This wasn't a joke. Like th th this, you have a gift for using this voice in your life and your humor and your struggles for good. Let's keep going. My buddy Aaron Marquis said, like, what, like, you have this opportunity to make something great. You have this audience that built in. He said, you're not a fluke. Let's do something. And so after that Oprah show, another friend of mine who came about through Reddit and the a lot of the voting population for the Oprah show were Redditors, and that's where my video first blew up. The co-founder of Reddit, his name is Alexis O'Hanion, he said, what do you want to do now? And I said, I would love to make a travel show where I can actually ask that audience that supported me in the first place, that helped me go viral. Like, what? I would love to make a travel show that includes them, that allows them to decide where I go and what I do. And I want to take my, my friends from film school who have been by my side through this whole process and have supported me through everything. I want to take them and make it a, a road trip show with my friends. So that's what we did. Riding shotgun is the, the road show and it is yep. awesome. Have well, you, you actually seen it? Come on, man, I'm doing the work here. You, I mean, I had to get, you really did the research. I, I had to. Well, I have a life outside of getting ready for the conversation with you. So I you did the work. Children, how do we? Their mother raises them. I haven't oh, seen them oh, in a long okay. time. So riding shotgun, there's, there's one episode where you go see a waterfall. Yeah. And again, like it's just listeners, audience, mom and dad who are listening to my voice right now. The cool thing about this is that things that ultimately Zach does are voted on by the online audience. So where he goes, what he does once he gets there, all that stuff. And none of it's easy, including seeing this waterfall. It's impossible to see. Yeah. So yeah. talk about that episode this, and what this. you learned. So this was in Blacksburg, Virginia, and there's this right of passage, people who go to Virginia Tech or live in Blacksburg to go to this place called the Cascades. But the only thing is this waterfall is a two mile hike in the woods and it, it's not accessible at all. And so my buddy who was on riding shotgun with me, his name's Josh Flanagan. He had this idea of, oh, we'll carry Zach because we can't get his wheelchair in. We'll carry Zach on an army stretcher. So we stopped at an army surplus store, got this stretcher that looks like it's from the set of MASH. And he's <laughs> like, oh, we can, Aaron can carry and my brother Brad can film the whole thing. So even if we die, he'll get it on camera and it'll be great content for YouTube. So they wind up carrying me on the stretcher for a, maybe about a half a mile, the thing rips and it rips so that I can't use it. Then we think we're seeing storm clouds and we like, we go through these treacherous trails with all of these wooded areas and it's beautiful. I've never experienced anything like this. It's gorgeous. I'm, I'm grateful the whole time, but I'm thinking these guys are so dumb for doing this to let me do this. But like, I didn't have to carry my own weight and I'm not like a heavy person, 
But I wound up going piggyback, yes. oscillating between Aaron and Josh for the majority of the two miles. But we made it. And we made it because I had friends who didn't give up on the idea of having a great experience. And they didn't say, oh, it would be too tricky for Zach to do this. And we all sort of had that mentality. And we said, oh, well, we're going to have an amazing story to tell. And as long as you can view all the hardships as just like part of that story, like it doesn't matter how hard it is because you're with people that you want to be with. And that's what friendship is, is about. Like, let's find a way to be inclusive. Reality TV is not, you know, it's the greatest poorly named moniker out there, reality TV. This thing is real. And the stretcher did rip and it did become unusable, even though a half mile and the guys were already fried, man. Yeah, and they were fried. They can't use it. I, and then the storm clouds and they're, they're piggybacking you up to a waterfall. Like none of this made sense. I kept waiting for the guys to turn around. They don't. They keep moving forward with you hanging on for dear life to the neck of one of your buddies. It's a crazy journey. And then yeah. you make it through the clearing, two miles uphill away from the parking lot and your wheelchair and safety and life. Tell me what you saw when you saw that waterfall for the first time. I mean, it was one of the most beautiful things I've seen. And I think I say it in the video itself, but it was one of those rare moments when you know that you are experiencing like one of the most magical moments of your life when you can fully appreciate when you can hear that rushing water when you can see it when you're surrounded by greenery and you're like there was no path to this without like strangling my friends for two miles um it was beautiful it was one of those moments where you're like this is Regardless of the fact that we're making a show, this is what being alive is about. Mm. Experiencing these things with people you love and just, I go back and watch that all the time. If I'm feeling low or something, I can think of that as this is something we did and this is something beautiful that we'd made out of it. And I don't know, it's one of the things that I'm, I'm most proud of to this day. I am not overly impressed by guys who climb mountains by themselves. That doesn't mean we haven't had a couple on the podcast. I'm not overly impressed by folks. Is that how you let open those episodes? I'm not overly impressed. When I climb a bunch of mountains. I'm serious. If it's done for them, I'm just not. I mean, Nando Prado climbed a couple mountains to get other people out of a plane crash. That impresses me. We've had a couple other people climb to make a difference for a charity that they were sponsoring. Like that impresses me. But I, I am so impressed by those who are climbing for others. And so, Zach, I'm impressed, yes, by you, but I'm impressed by your friends, man. Those guys were sweaty. They were haggard. They were tired. They're not the stars of the show, but they're heroes to me. So what, when they got back down to the safety of the car and you came back down with them, how did that experience change them? I, I think we all just felt bonded in a way that we hadn't even when we started it and they were some of my best friends. So it really meant something. We still talk about it. We want to do more things like that, but we're older now and I don't think their bodies could take it, but I'm sure they would still find a way to do it. And I think 
like one of the things that we really zeroed in on is like, this is something that we're all doing for each other. I knew that by doing this with them, it would make it better. It would make their lives better. It would give them opportunities. And they knew that without them, I wouldn't have seen things like that. So it was what I like to say is that, you know, in the best friendships and the best relationships, empowerment really is a two-way street. So we empowered each other because we, we love each other. We wanted to, to have the best experience together. It wasn't about one of us. It was about all of us. I have like seven quotes written down from you, and I'm just going to share one of them because we'll run out of time otherwise. Here comes one that I loved. There are a lot of people who think they can judge me based only on where I am seating here today. Luckily, I've been surrounded by people my entire life who are more concerned about where I'm heading than where I am seated. Yeah, I think it really comes down to people who can see you for what you want to do and who you are. There are some people who say, like when I see you, the chair disappears. I don't think it ever disappeared. I think it's part of who I am. It's part of why I have the outlook that I have. But the best friendships in my life have been those people who know that I sometimes I'm inspiring because I do things that are inspiring, but it's not just because I have a wheelchair. It's because right. I make choices that I, I would hope would at least inspire a few people, even if I didn't have cerebral palsy. Mm. And, but the reason that I'm able to have this outlook is because I've been surrounded by amazing people and people who, who see the potential in me, even at times when I did. What would you say to our listeners and a few of our viewers right now who don't see potential within themselves? So you've had a mother and a father and Andrew and all these other friends who just keep showing up for you. And some of us may not have that or we may not see it in the mirror. So for those of us struggling with self-worth right now, what's the advice? I would say to you, I have been there. I've been there. You're worthy. And just even if you are feeling like the worst version of yourself, trust me, knowing that there is an end to that feeling, right? That like, cause I've been, I, I don't want to necessarily say, oh, you can get up and do whatever you want. Cause I know how hard depression is. I know we all go through that, but I would just like to say you're not alone. Even if you didn't have the support system that I have, there are people out there who are rooting for you and I don't think that anyone can, can make progress without giving themselves grace and knowing like this is part of your journey. And the first step to, to making progress and, and getting out of a rut or not and like feeling like yourself is, is, is realizing that you got to be on your own team. And so even though we've never met, I'm on your team to start. I have the, Faith that you can find that within yourself and just root for yourself and know that you're worth rooting for. And, and I would 
have below that. And the idea then of elevating your game so that you can pick up the army stretcher and carry someone else forward for a while has always been a wonderful way to allow us, man, and allow me to move out of the ruts of life. When, when the focus of whether it's cerebral palsy or scars yeah. or life or whatever become, okay, and how do I use this thing to benefit somebody else? Has a way of immediately yeah. giving us the energy to take the next step and then the next step yep. and then the next step. Yeah. And you don't have to be extraordinary to be worthy. You don't. But you are worthy just as you are. And like knowing that definitely helped me move forward because at those times when you're like, oh, I'm not worth, I'm not worth getting out of bed. I'm not, I can't, nobody's going to think what I'm doing is good. Just give your change that internal monologue to think maybe I have something to offer the world because everybody does. Everybody does. And it's not about money. It's not about like finding the perfect job or being like the most productive person in the work workforce. It's about being comfortable in your own skin and realizing that we are sharing an experience living on, on this planet together and that time is finite and that we should be doing everything we can to enjoy and experience as much of that time as possible. So why would you waste time beating yourself up? Hmm. Exactly. We're coming toward the end of our time together. We always wrap up these episodes with seven questions called the Live Inspired Seven. So get ready for oh, those. But I'm before so ready. Before we get there, man, I'll need your hiking shoes on for a moment longer. You were bragging, as you so frequently do about Oprah and John Mayer. What I'll do, though, is brag that not only did those two participate in your life story, millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of others have watched it on television, through the internet, or live at speeches, read your book, on and on. One story, man. Is there one story that you received from the lists and lists that you've received in the mail and email that just move you some life that you impacted who watched one of your clips and because of that they're somehow different or better well there's one that i always go back to because it's so simple um yeah i think really powerful so in that audition video i say that i have cerebral palsy the sexiest of the palsies and that's a phrase that caught on and I got it in an email message early on from someone who said that they were out at a restaurant and they were sitting next to someone who had pretty severe case of CP and their immediate thought was, oh, sexiest of the palsy. So if I have helped change that conversation just a little bit, I think that hopefully important to some that you can just see the humanity in others and mm. i and in addition to that the stories that i love most are the ones that i get from kids who are reading my book and they're finding something relatable in it because like i try as best i can even though you know my book is not for all ages but to be the person that i had wished that i had met growing up and i i think at least for a few people maybe i'm that and i i, I hope that's the case and if not 
Sorry. <laughs> well, you are for me, and I know you are for many, many, many others. So, Zach Anner, we're gonna we're gonna run through the finish line together with the first first question, man. These are rapid fire. Let's rock and roll. What's been the most influential book, the best book you've ever read? Uh, it's not one book. It, I think it's seven or eight books. I I read the um, complete autobiographies of Maya Angelou. Um, and just hearing her life story and what she went through and where she wound up, she was somebody who always made the interesting choice. I got used to seeing her on the Oprah show as this wise older woman who had answers for everything, but just learning about the mistakes that she made, the bad decisions and, and how she like did so much with her life and her time on this earth and, and just was so interesting. It was the best experience I've had reading a book, I think. Mm. Powerful. What's one positive characteristic or one trait that you possessed as a little boy that you wish you modeled a little bit more as an older adult? I was fearless as a kid. I have plenty of fears now i could go up to anybody and have a conversation and start making jokes and i still have a lot of that but i'm not quite so fearless i'm not quite so confident you could fool me i feel like you're chewing gum right now as we're having this conversation and you certainly were when you were talking to oprah if your home caught fire and all living things are out, and you have an opportunity of rolling in and grabbing one item that really matters to you. What's the one thing you would come rolling back outside with? One thing I would come rolling back outside with? I think I would, uh, just any photo of my family, like they're the reason for everything. Like I, other than that, probably my bidet toilet seat. It's just once you go to an electronic bidet, you can't really go back. So that hand up family. That's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. If you could sit on a bench with one person living or dead on a gorgeous day and have a long conversation, who would you like to be seated directly next to? My dad passed away in January. And so right now I would take a a long conversation with my dad just because I realized there were so many questions that I didn't get to ask him because I thought he would always be around. Mm. Give me one of them. What's one question that you wish you had asked? I wish that I had asked him more about his, he was a a roadie in the seventies for a band called Spirogyra. And I wish that I had talked to him about um, some of the things that he probably didn't tell me when I was growing up. Just like, what were your wild days, Dad? Because I I think like those I would always okay, so we didn't get to this part of my life, but we can just let people know so then if there's anyone experiencing this. Well, I didn't date until I was twenty nine years old. So and as a result, I was sort of like timid around asking my parents about their dating experiences because I was nervous that it would never happen for me. And like, I would just ask my dad about his dating experiences and advice because when he would try to give me advice and I 
was just striking out and not doing well, I kind of shut it down. Yeah. So. Thank you for all of that. It's a, it's a great answer. Um, not only about your dad, but I, if this is supposed to be rapid fire, I am sorry. Yeah. You're blowing up the show, but who cares, man? We're, there's only three listeners left right now anyway. So we might as well try okay, to cool. the few remaining. What's the best advice your dad, your mother, or anybody else ever gave you? I often quote this line from my mom and I apologize for the language, but when I was first going to grade school, I asked my mom what to do if kids make fun of me. And she said, you tell those people to go to hell. And it was, it was such a straightforward answer. I'd like, don't let those people like define you. Don't let their opinions of you change who you are. And that's the sort of way I paraphrased it as an adult or what I've taken it to mean. Tell me this, what advice would you give yourself at age 20? Don't be afraid to fail. Just take more chances. I think I was so afraid of rejection or embarrassment that sometimes I didn't take the chances that I should have. And what I would tell my 20 year old self is failure is great. That's how you learn. That's how you grow. And you're not going to be perfect. You're never going to be perfect. And it's such an obvious thing, but yeah, just take bigger swings. Zach Anner, it has been said that all great people can have their lives summed up in one sentence. How would you like yours to read? Zach Anner was a person who dedicated his life to providing meaningful silliness. Zach Anner, you are a man indeed who has provided meaningful silliness. You are a man who shows me what courage looks like every day. And it is, it's been a great honor having you on our Live Inspired podcast. It has been such a privilege. Let's do it again next week. <laughs> my friends, until next week with Zach Anner, my name is John O'Leary. That is my buddy, Zach. We will be back. And this is your day. What a gift today is. Don't miss it. And Live Inspired. I loved hearing how, while growing up, Zach's parents would encourage him to explore his passions and find ways to make things accessible, all while focusing on the importance of independence in order to reach his full potential. For example, when they learned he wanted to be a filmmaker, they fashioned a tripod on his wheelchair. His exact quote, do you remember it? You can use disability as a tool to tell your story and to be who you were meant to be. It's a quote he shared during our conversation. I think it's one we can all live out loud through our lives, that we can use disability as a tool to tell our story of who we were meant, who we were born to become. My friends, I want to continue this conversation with you right now on our Live Inspired Together channel. Come on, Live Inspire Together is a free, members-only virtual community. It is designed to help you, yes, I'm talking to you right now, embrace the power of perspective, the gifts that you already possess, and the truth that your best days are yet to come. You're not sure where to find that community? Well, gosh, let me tell you all about it. Let your fingers do the walking right now. Join me at johnolearyinspires.com forward slash together. 
That's where this community hangs out. There is room for you at the party. One more time, join me now live at johnolearyinspires.com forward slash together. If you enjoyed today's episode as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you, I think you're going to love the conversation we had with Master Chef winner Christine Ha. After losing her ability to see at age 20, Christine found meaning while pursuing her life's passion of cooking. It's a conversation of resilience, of courage, and of passion that will speak to your soul. We'll have a link to it in the show notes at johnolearyinspires.com forward slash podcast. Or you can let your fingers do the walking over there too to episode 342. It's episode 342 with my friend Christine Ha. My friends, I want to thank you for being part of our Live Inspire community. And I want to remind you again something that was taught to me today. Yes, indeed, the foundation is firm. The headwinds might be real. But the journey is worthy and the best is yet to come. So for this time and until next time, this is your buddy, John O'Leary. Today is your day. What a gift. Live Inspired. Helians were encouraged to have a conversation with someone outside of their circle. That's it. These conversations, however, have brought people together and farthered their world-class culture. Shout out to the Keelians who have made an effort to have meaningful conversations with new friends. You can learn more about those conversations, about those amazing friends, by visiting them online at keelycompanies.com.